Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. Welcome back, everybody. This is week three preview show. How's everybody doing tonight? Doing good. Doing great. Excellent. Awesome. We're going to dive into the Big, Squ- the Big 12 schedule this week. Um, we got one Big 12 team off. That's West Virginia. Everybody else is going to be active. We got a couple of big games this weekend on tap. Texas at, at Cal. Oh, and everybody knows, I'm sure, now about Ohio State at Oklahoma. Um, we're going to go ahead and start out with our previews and what everybody's looking forward to seeing this weekend. Uh, we're going to start with you, Kendall. What, what are you most looking forward to seeing this weekend? Uh, I think the one thing that I'm looking forward to seeing is that you have the top three teams in the country all going on the road this week against ranked opponents. Uh, I think that's the first time it's ever happened, so I'm really anxious to see how these top-ranked teams play in, in tougher environments against good teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I heard, too. I heard it was the first time ever. Well, if this Colin, I'm going to go ahead and stay with within the Big 12 Conference here. I want to see how OSU, how they rebound from that just heartbreaking loss. Uh, you know, I want to see what they're made of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to answer the bell this week. Jockstrap, what are you looking forward to this week? I'm looking forward to the uh, Ohio State and OU game. Ohio State, OU, yeah. What are you looking forward to about that game? I'm just looking forward to see. I, I think it's just going to be a really good game. Yeah. All throughout the whole game. Yep. Brady, what are you looking forward to this weekend? I'm looking forward to the Ohio State-Oklahoma game as well, but I also want to see Florida State at Louisville. I want to see kind of Louisville against a pretty good team, see what kind of – see if the quarterback can actually get out and make plays like he has been in the last two games. Yeah, yeah. I don't – I'm not too sure. You know, there's a lot we, that Louisville still has to answer, as well as many teams do. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to say, well, this is definitely what this team is, even though we're a couple weeks into the season. So, yeah, I'm interested to see what they're going to do also. Um, I guess for me, staying in the conference, I'm I'm kind of curious to see. Although I I think Iowa State TCU might be a pretty good game. I guess uh, I'd I like to see what what Texas does on the road at Cal. Um, it'll be their first big road game of the year. It's you know it's not exactly a close trip. I'm curious to see what how Bushell does on the road. You know the Cal fans are going to be pretty jacked up for that yes, one. They will be. So I'm curious to see what that one how that one rolls up. All right, um, we're going to go ahead and get into our schedule here. But first, uh, if you've listened to some of the prior podcasts, I usually like to try to offer a stat or something that applies to the conference in some way, shape, or form. Um, I think throughout the year, you know, it's kind of changed a little bit as I've gone. I think I'm going to try to stick with, you know, one of the big games each week if I can find something interesting about that game. So staying with that theme, uh, you know, we, we've got the big battle in Norman between uh, Ohio State and Oklahoma. And uh, starting with that one, a little stat, um, you know, when that game opened up in the summer in Vegas lines, some of you guys might not gamble, some of you might, but the Vegas lines had Oklahoma roughly a touchdown favorite, depending on who you use. Um, And since the loss to Houston, and in my opinion, since the Buckeyes have kind of come up a little quicker than people thought, because, you know, they were a young team. Right. You know, they lost 16 uh, draft picks off that roster, and that's in the two deep, you know. Everybody knew they were talented. They've recruited probably only second to Alabama on paper. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out to be better players in the future. But on paper, only second to Alabama. And so they've recruited some really good classes there. So everybody knew they were talented. But I think nobody quite expected them to catch on as quickly as they have. Now, granted, 
It's against two really bad defenses um, and against two teams that, you know, one team is pretty good on offense, Tulsa. Another team, Bowling Green, is traditionally good on offense, but they weren't ha aren't really that this year. So, you know, I think with that reaction to them being a little better than some people may have thought right off the bat and then Oklahoma losing to Houston, that has now shifted. And depending on what gambling service you might use, I have everything from Ohio State as a favorite by two all the way up to three. So that's kind of there. So rolling in with that stat, this is only the third time in the Bob Stoops era uh, that Oklahoma's been an underdog at home. The other two times, uh, most recently, was 2000. Some of you guys might remember, I think we've talked about on the show before, that Red October run that Oklahoma went through. Yes. Um, the, the Nebraska, when they came into Norman back in 2000, they were the number one team in the country. They were the nation's number two offense. I mean, they, they were – you know, fairly recent history, only, what, four years removed from a national title, from back-to-back -back national titles, basically. Uh, and then a year before that, where they, they almost had a chance to win three in a row. Um, you know, so they, they were pretty good. And, then, you know, they were a power at that time. And Oklahoma was just, people were just starting to maybe think they were coming back. So, 2000, Nebraska came in, Oklahoma beat them 31-14. to um, That was back in Eric Crouch era. And then, yeah, and then... Uh, 2000 and then in 1999 the only other time in the bob stoops era that oklahoma was an underdog at home was uh against texas a&m and that was in 99 they were a three and a half point favorite and uh oklahoma went out and blew their doors off 51 to 6 under bob stoops period overall whether it's home away neutral site whatever oklahoma is 14 and 27 in games as underdogs so, I mean, considering that they were favored to lose, or, you know, they were expected to lose a lot of those games, that's above 500 average. That's pretty good. Um, you know, we always hear that, that Stoops and his teams are at their best when they're backed into a corner or they're an underdog or whatever. And a lot of people are hanging that on, their hat on there. The last four times that Oklahoma was an underdog, they've won. So, you know, that's something to look forward in this game. Um, you know, they, they aren't underdogs very often. But basically what this tells us is when they are, they generally beat expectations and win the game, or at least cover, but usually win the game. So yep, you can definitely tell Stoops team whenever they're underdogs, they come in with a chip on their shoulder. Yeah, he usually finds a way to get them pretty riled up. And, you know, that can't always be easy to do because being Oklahoma, especially now, 15 years later, 16 years later, they're, you know, there's kind of a, an expectation about them where they're going to be good regardless or they'll have a lot of talent. So it's not easy to always get them riled up. So anyway, that was a little bit of a little bit of history about Oklahoma being an underdog, and you know it's not very often that it happens. So, okay, we're gonna roll on into uh, we're gonna roll on into our first game on the schedule, which is Baylor and Rice. Rice at Baylor, or no, that's ba Baylor visiting Rice. I'm sorry, uh, down in Houston, and uh, that's 7 p.m. Uh, Baylor is a 95.6% FPI favorite, and if you're curious to the line, if you're looking to lay a little money on this game. Baylor is a 31-point favorite. They're getting 31 points. Um, you know, so it's 7 p.m. on e 7 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, anybody want to start off with this game? What you're looking forward to in this game? Uh, yeah, I'll start off with this one. Um, I, I got a couple stats here that are kind of astonishing. They'll kind of put this game into perspective really quick. Um, the the Baylor scoring offense this year is ranked 17th in the country. Their scoring defense is 12th in the country. Baylor's is? Yes. Hmm. I did not they, know They that. only give up 10 points a game. Of course, you know, they haven't really yeah. played yeah, big-time grand, competition. Yeah, okay. granted, yeah. Well, then on the other side of the coin, you're going to have Rice. And they, offensively, they are ranked uh, 121st in scoring offense. Mm -hmm. 
and they are ranked uh, 112th in scoring defense. Mm -hmm. And that's against playing Army and Western uh, Kentucky. So, I mean, their competition hasn't been that great either. <laughs> yeah, so, right. I mean, not very good either. Right. So, if Baylor just comes out to play a little bit, this ought to be, realistically, it should be just a cakewalk. I mean, it really shouldn't be a game at all. Yeah. I don't even think this is a good Rice team, from what I can yeah, tell I, I expect more of what happened last year, that 70-17 to 17 win that Baylor put on them. Yeah, this is just the typical Baylor early season on conference schedule. Yeah, I mean, Northwestern State, SMU, and now Rice. Way to really go out and challenge yourself, Baylor. Well, I'll, t- I'll, tell, I'll say this, though. If there's one year that you kind of needed an easier schedule, this would definitely be the year for that. Cause yeah, easy into one, yeah. Yeah, because you got your quarterback's been banged up. You've had all that crazy stuff happening in the offseason. So it, it, this, for once, kind of seemed right for them to have a, a weaker schedule to kind of get going. Yeah, um, I've kind of got a few things, too, about that. Just kind of stay in the theme with what you got there, Kendall. They're giving up – Rice has given up 309 yards passing and 222 yards rushing per game, and they've already given up nine total touchdowns. And as we've discussed, it's not like they're facing juggernauts offensively or anything like that. Um, they also have zero turnovers, which is never good if it doesn't look like you're going to be able to get turnovers. I mean, I just basically have that the Baylor defense should look dominant in this game, and if not, you know – there's something probably kind of wrong, you know, if they can't, you know, they got, if you're curious into some of the key players in this game, Tyler Staling, the, the uh, quarterback, he's 39 for 68, 383 yards and a touchdown with three picks this season. So, I mean, he's already got more picks than he's got touchdowns. Yeah. I think as a Baylor fan, the main thing that you're wanting to see in this game is just kind of some, some consistency on offense as far as just rhythm. And then you just want to see you get out of the game healthy. I mean, yeah. if you can accomplish those two things, then I think it sets you up good for next week. But, you know, the the injury thing is what you're always worried about when you play one of these teams. Just, yeah. you know. You know I, I, I'm really looking I, – I want to see Shock Linwood just go off. And uh, to quote Jockstrap, I want to see him go beast mode. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a game that he should dominate. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a game that the starters should realistically probably be out third quarter at yeah. some point. Exactly. Be on the bench and let's get those young guys some more reps. Yeah, well, they're saying Linwood's a little bit banged up, but they, you know, they, they said he's the doctor should clear him to go. So I mean, I'm not really sure how much we're actually going to see of him. I mean, I'm assuming he's still going to play some, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't surprise me if, if you know, that they let Terrence go out there and, and run the ball a little bit more than than Linwood, you know, as the game progresses on. That's, that's is, yeah, I can, is I can uh, Baylor at Oklahoma State next week, or, or do they play Oklahoma State next week? Yes. Yeah, yeah but it's in it's in Waco. Waco. Yeah. So. Yeah, you might not see much of the starters this game. And if Shock Linwood's a little banged up, then he might just get a few reps here and there and get him out, keep him fresh. Well, one thing he's done pretty good since he's taken over at Baylor this year so far is he's done a pretty good job of, you know, kind of resting the guys and putting them out on the bench, you know, when they need to. So he's he's doing a better – I think he understands that their depth isn't what it probably should have been when he got there. And I think he's doing a good job of trying to build that depth through playing. So – yeah, and I think it's like philosophy thing too. I mean, Art Bryles is more of a score as many points as you possibly can, mm-hmm. and that was just kind of his mentality. Which yep. is not, not nothing wrong with that. But Jim Groves more of a it's a marathon. What's the point in keeping these guys in? Let's yep. let's get them out. It's kind of two different ways of thinking. I don't think either one of them are necessarily wrong. There's benefits both ways, but uh, I, I just think it's just more of a personality than it is 
you know, a, a need thing. And I think maybe a little bit with Bryles, what you saw was a little bit of paranoia that maybe people were a little, you know, of course he had to know by the towards his later time there, people did not respect their non-conference schedule ever. Right. So he probably felt like he had to just absolutely blow their doors off anytime he played them. So anytime he had a chance to put up 70, he was going to do that. Well, one last thing before we move on here. I know Kendall touched on this earlier in the year, but maybe Linwood gets pulled. I have him. He's only 48 yards away from breaking the Baylor career rushing record. So maybe he gets yeah, he 49 could. yards and he's done right. for the day. Yeah. I, yep. I, I just don't see him having too many carries. I mean, if he does, so be it. But I just thinking logically, if, if you don't really need him in there, what's the point in getting banged up more? Yeah. Go ahead, Brady. You have something to add? No, that's that's what I was going to say, just what Kendall said about resting Linwood. Yeah, I it, think, you know, looking ahead with Oklahoma State coming up, I think they try to get him as many re- as much rest as possible. Yeah, and if I, if I had to just kind of ballpark a score on this one, I'd say something like 65 to 10, 65 7, somewhere in there would be ballpark what I see. Because I, I just don't see Rice being able to do anything to stop them. Yeah. And then I don't see them being able to really do a whole lot on offense either. It's going to be a long day for Rice. So we all pretty much agree they're probably going to cover the 31. Uh, I would think so, yes. Okay. I would think that would be an easy cover. Yeah, I probably would too. I can't imagine Rice, I, even if Rice is back, you know, even against Baylor's backups, I can't imagine them doing that. So. All right, moving on into uh, we got the next game of the week on our schedule. We have Kansas at Memphis. You know, this is uh, 11 a.m., and it's uh, basically 75% chance FBI. Uh, Memphis is a 20-point favorite in this one. Uh, Memphis is coming off. A, uh, they're only, they've only played one game so far. They had a, uh, a bye week last week. Uh, they played uh, Southeast Missouri State, and they beat them 35-17. to 17. Um, You know, anything else you guys want to add to this that you know about I'll, Memphis? I'll, I'll go first this time. Kansas needs to get off to a fast start, and and or they'll just lose the game to Memphis. I, I agree. That was that was part of the problem last week with Ohio is that the first half was just a nightmare for Kansas, and by the time they came around in the second half, it was already over. Um, yeah. W- one thing for this week, you know, last week Cozart hurt his shoulder. I don't think it was that bad, but you have to wonder if he has a banged up shoulder. How much does that take away from his game? Since part of his game is the running as well. Uh-huh. You know, do they say, okay, you don't, you don't need to be running as much this game, just passing in. You know, if you can't go 100, percent do they go to Ryan Willis? Well, they, have you decided? I mean, are you still kind of of the opinion that you know there's kind of a little bit of a two quarterback system here? Or are they definitely going to go all in on Cozart? I'm going Cozart, man. I think it, yeah, I think it's I think, his to lose at this point. I think it's all Cozart as well. Well, we talked about Memphis. You know. Last couple of years have been pretty good, but I, this year they don't seem to be as as talented as they've been in the past. Not to say that they're not going to go out and, and and play with Kansas or anything like that, but I think catch, uh, Kansas catched them at a good time when they're transitioning their quarterbacks and everything. Mm-hmm. So I think if one positive thing for Kansas is they're catching Memphis. I think at the right time yeah. to play them. Well, I think yeah. for Kansas to have a good shot in this game, they they have to be able to run the ball. They need to get Steve Sims involved early. He's been really good. I mean, he's one of the better wide receivers in the conference so far this year. Uh, Speedy Gonzalez, he needs to have an impact in the return game. Yeah. You know, he was kind of hit or miss last week. He he was great on kickoff returns, but he was really bad on punt returns. If those are both good, he sets up the offense a good scoring position. You know, that'll help. Uh, Another problem, in my season preview when I was talking about Kansas, I said, one of their main concerns was how bad they were against the run, which mm-hmm. was exposed last week. If they can find a way to stop the 
the run this week, or let's say not stop but limit the run, they can give themselves a give themselves a chance. They just time of possession last week, if I remember right, was like forty eight to twelve. You can't can't do it. It needs to be a little bit closer for them to have a shot. But with all that said, I I, I pick Memphis to win this game. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I do too. Well, for for me, the big thing that the promising thing for for Jayhawk fans, I guess, is what happened in last week's game in that second half, where Beatty went in and made some halftime adjustments, and it looked like they came out ready to go in that second half, where they actually scored 14 points in that third quarter. Uh, they didn't score any in the fourth quarter, but uh, Cozart went out, I think, four plays into that fourth quarter, so kind of lost momentum there whenever he went out. Yeah, but they, I think with them going in and making those adjustments or at least showing some fight uh, to come back and try to win that game, I think that bodes well for them against Memphis. Now, is it enough to beat Memphis? Memphis? I don't think so. I think Memphis is still the more talented team, and they're at home, so I give the edge to Memphis as well. Yeah, you know, Brady, I think you're really right about the whole fight thing because I think in the past years we would have seen them roll over at halftime during that game last week especially under weiss yeah and they came back yeah. and they fought they fought and actually they played better than than ohio did the second half they just came up short but i mean they they had fight and i mean that's the first time i've seen that in them in the last few years so that's a positive thing going the right direction yeah see we're we're all pulling for kansas to turn it around it's it's obviously it's no fun being where they're at right now but i mean that they have the right coach in my opinion i think you know, it's a, a number of years project, but it's they're on their way back to at least being relevant. With um, you know, as far as Kansas goes, you know that. Okay, first of all, I think Steve Sims Jr. has been a really good bright spot. You know, that's to me. I don't think I expected quite this start out of him. He's been awesome for him. Um, this is the this is what I have on this game. After looking at Memphis, going back at what I knew about him last year, the returning players. The number one objective in this game is Kansas has got to load up to stop the run. They don't have Paxton Lynch back there anymore. The quarterback that they have is solid, but he's not going to pick you apart. But here's what they do have. They return three really good backs. Um, you know, Patrick Taylor, he has seven rushes for 86 yards so far in that one game. Um, but my, you know, my personal favorite running back on the team is a guy by the name of Dorland Dors. I don't even know how to say his name right. Dorland Dorsius, I believe is how you say his name. He's a very physical runner. You know, he's almost like a fullback running the ball or an H-back type guy that runs downhill. He's real good in short yardage for him. He'll run you over. So um, if they're going to to win this game or have any shot at all, they've got to load up to stop the run. And uh, one, of, one other little funny note I found to cover in this game is apparently Jarvis Cooper transferred out of Memphis. Apparently he got a tattoo of himself in a Memphis uniform. And then he had to transfer. So that's one little thing, one little side note I thought was funny from this game. Um, you know, they, they did, some of you guys might remember the quarterback, throw him out there. It was a former Vols quarterback from Tennessee. His name's Riley Ferguson, Riley Ferguson. He was 26 for 40 for 295 yards, three TDs, but he does have two picks. And, uh, I just don't, Memphis to me doesn't quite have the playmakers outside. They got one good guy, Anthony Miller. Other than that, I just don't see a whole lot out of them. So if, if Kansas can load up to stop the run, I think they can win this game. Yeah, and another thing that helps out Kansas as well is this is only Memphis's second game because they yeah. had, they only they started their season last week against Southeast Missouri State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. first FBS game. Yep. Yeah, I think we're so, going to. Okay, everybody good on that one? 
It's going to roll on. Anybody want to take a stab at the score? I mean, I think, uh, you know, Memphis is a 20-point favorite. Do we think Kansas covers I, that? I think they can I think they can cover the 20. I think they can, too. Yeah, I would take them to cover. Because, like I said, I don't think Memphis is just going to light the, the field on fire passing the game. I think, if anything, they'll win by, you know, controlling the clock in a run game. So Yeah. Okay, rolling on into the next one on our schedule. Sorry, folks, that was me. Uh, Iowa State and TCU. Uh, this is our first. I'm not. Uh, am I mistaken? This is our first Big 12 matchup of the yes. year, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yep. Um, yeah, it's 11 a.m. on FS1. If you're curious to watch that, um, uh, TCU is a 93.4% favorite in uh, FPI, and TCU is a 24-point favorite overall. Says Vegas. Um, you know, what do you guys feel about this game? Well, uh, from an Iowa State point of view, um, there's been a little bit of talk. In, in Ames about the quarterback situation with Lanning and Park. And um, it sounds like, to me, Coach Campbell is saying that no major changes are going to be made just yet. And uh, But, you know, it just seems like there's some things going on there. I can't put my finger on it, but it's I, I would see Lanning starting, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if Park got some play because Campbell was quoted as saying he's he's never really been just a one-quarterback type guy mm-hmm. he's gonna do whatever whoever's sparking the team at the time mm-hmm. is who he wants to play kind of like steve spurrier used right. to do a lot and another thing he did this week that i found at first when i first heard him say it uh saturday night after the game it kind of took me back but he basically called out mike warren and he said that, that he has to be the guy that can be accountable on the field and off the field mm-hmm. and uh at first i was kind of thinking oh that's kind of a personal shot but yeah. the next day he came back and said basically he has to be the motor of the team and if I can get him motivated, it'll help everyone else around him get motivated. So it was kind of yeah. more of a of a shot at the entire team, but he just singled him out because he's got to be the catalyst to, to get that offense going. It's time for him to assume that role as the leader. Right. Because you know, the Lazard or um, Landing apparently isn't quite ready to do that yet. Well, he's just, it, it, it just so inconsistent. Well, that's what I, mean, I was going to ask. Do you feel like, and did you get anything from the coach to feel like, wh- what was the other quarterback's name? I'm sorry. Uh, it's Jacob Park. Park. Uh, do yes. you feel like Park? Is uh, the more you know steady hand on that thing, or is he the hot hand? Well, I, well, he, he's only a sophomore, and he he hasn't played since he was in high school, mm-hmm. and so he, I mean, he he's he hasn't played you know over two years. He got it in the Iowa game. He mm-hmm. did he did about the same as Landing in the Iowa game. It wasn't nothing spectacular, mm-hmm. but it's I, I would think he's gonna stay with Landing for right now. But it wouldn't surprise me to see Park go in for. A drive here or there just to see if you can get a spark out of the team. Yeah. But, but the main issue, I mean, we've talked about it many times, that offensive line is just in shambles. And, it's, you know, if they don't get that fixed, it really doesn't matter who's throwing the ball. It sounds like um, sounds like somebody just needs to assume control of that huddle. Somebody just needs to take the team right. over and say, they need, they need a leader to look to, it sounds like, more than anything. Somebody they can trust. Y- yes, so. you're, you're right about that. Well, Brady, what, what do you think about uh, TCU in this ballgame? Uh, yeah. TCU, to me, they need to fix that defense, and I think this is a good week for them to work on fixing the defense. Mm. Um, I think Iowa State, with their offensive line that's struggling, I think TCU, like Corey's mentioned in the past, they've got some dudes on that TCU defensive line, so I think they'll be able to take advantage of that that offensive line that Iowa State's putting out there and be able to put pressure on the quarterback and that doesn't bode well for Iowa state with, with landing. I mean, and, and Warren for that, for that matter. So I think it's a good game for them to get, try to get back on to the, their defensive ways, how coach Patterson likes to play. And, and 
I don't see Iowa State scoring many points at all off of him. No, especially if they can get someone to lock down on Lazard. I mean, he's been their go-to guy in both games, which, I mean, don't get me wrong, we all agree he's he's a freak. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he should be getting it, but he's really been targeting him pretty much every throw. So I expect being Gary Patterson as smart as he is, they're, they're going to come up with some kind of double team or some kind of scheme to kind of help take him completely out of the game and see if someone else can beat him. Because to me, he's their biggest threat as far as like hitting a home run. Yeah, yeah. As right. yeah. To me, I, to me, I see Gary Patterson doing some press on him and with the safety over the top. His, I mean, his. that's that seems to be an easy way to eliminate him, and then you're trying to get Warren or or Lanning to make a play to any one of the other receivers. And I just don't, I don't think that they're that line's capable of holding that long for Lanning to get through his progressions. That'd be something I'm curious to see. Is will they take? You know, I know Lazard is traditionally a you know outside receiver. Kind of a possession receiver, physical guy, but is I wanted. I'd be curious to see if you know Iowa State knows that's their playmaker, Lazard, and if they have any chance, you know, of doing anything, it's going to be through him, right? I'd be curious to see if maybe they move him around to the slot, play things like that, try to set him up on linebackers, because if if TCU is just going to play umbrella on one half of the field, you it, you've got to put it upon yourself, in my opinion, to find somewhere else to put him or bring Mike Warren out of the backfield. You know, whenever they do that, and put him in place of where the defender would have been. You know. Right. Well, and when it comes to Mike Warren, they, they got to give him more touches. I mean, even mm-hmm. even if he's not gaining yards, you still got to keep a defense honest, and and you got to keep chugging because you know he's one of those type of guys. He might you might stop him nine times in a row, then the next time it might be a sixty yard run. Yeah. So you I mean you got to keep feeding the ball. You can't just go to him for a little bit and it doesn't work, and then all of a sudden you start trying to air it out because you're not that type of team. No. They, they don't have the personnel to do that. Yeah. Exactly. So, and, and that's what I had for my notes. I had. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. Does does he really only have 19 carries on the year? Yes, I have 19 mm-hmm. carries for 58 yards on the season, and that's that's crazy from a guy they thought could be you know had a chance to compete for a first team All Big 12 or at least second team. Well, you're talking about a guy that had over 1,300 yards last year. Exactly. Right? Yeah, so, he I mean, was a Big 12 freshman of the year. Right. So and also just to touch on uh, Lazard, I I had it that you know obviously Lazard's a stud on the team and he's gonna get he's gonna get his, but who else out of the wide receivers is gonna step up? And it may not be necessarily. You know, moving him around, they just need somebody else to, to step up. They need somebody to be be willing and able to make those plays. Yeah, for uh, TCU, you know, Iowa State. That's to me the big de- the big deficit here to me. Iowa State hasn't been that great on defense yet, and their playmak the playmakers, the few playmakers that t- that TCU does have this year. I just don't see how how Iowa State matches up with Turpin, you know, Hicks. Mm guys like that with Hill running too. they're given you know Iowa State's allowing 100 more yards a game than they're able to put up right now most of it's coming on the ground you know and Hill is actually right now TCU's leading rusher um to me I have that you know if if I Iowa State's gonna have a chance to win this game they're gonna have to keep Kenny Hill in the pocket and force him to beat him with his arm right because he's not a very you know consistent pure passer so right the, the only, the only yeah. problem is I just don't think Iowa State can score enough points to I mean, even if they play a good defensive game, I, I do. They just haven't been able to move the ball consistently at all against anybody. So I, I just think, even if they are able to control Hill and keep him in the pocket, I still don't know if they can score enough points to win. Yeah, we'll see yeah. what TCU's defense is going to do on this one. If they're terrible in this game, then we know something's wrong. Well, well that's, yeah, that's true. I want to see Kenny Hill play a full game. He's been pretty inconsistent in the first half of the first two games. You know, let's let's see him put together two halves of of good football because he's. The second half of both games, he's played great. It's been those first two, the first half of both of the other games that they he struggled. And go ahead, Brady. Yeah, I, I was gonna 
say exactly what Colin said. I want to see Kenny Hill get started early and actually start getting the offense rolling instead of for waiting until, you know, second half, like we talked about in the review last week. It seems like it takes him one, you know, get hit in the mouth type moment and then he finally wakes up and, and starts, you know, putting his putting his game together. Yeah. Yeah. And if TCU were to jump out early it would be really hard for Iowa State to make a comeback. Yeah. They, they're just, they just don't have the weapons right now as a whole. They have some pieces, but they don't have the entire unit to be able to, to bounce back on home runs. They, they, can't, they can't match them blow for blow on home runs. They need a number two wide receiver really bad. Oh, if yes, they could find yes. somebody with Lazard drawing that much coverage. You know, and like I said, if there's a chance they could use Mike Warren out of the slot, you know, similar to, I don't know, like Oklahoma uses Mixon, TCU uses Turpin, you know, guys like that. Uh, that would be interesting for them to do. So, okay, TCU's a twenty point, twenty four point favorite in that. Anybody think they don't cover that? Nope. I, I, I think, I think TCU wins by at least that. Because Iowa State yeah. just has showed no signs of doing anything. Yeah, we, we yeah. Got the, we got Jockstrap. Yeah, I think, I think they're gonna win by at least twenty four or more. TCU. Yeah. Okay. All right, and that takes care of that one. We're gonna roll on to the next one here. We got the Florida Atlantic Fighting Owls taking on uh, Kansas State here. And that's a 1.30 uh, p.m. game. Uh, you know, uh, FBI gives Kansas State a 90.6% chance to win this game and actually makes them a 23-point favorite. Plus, Kansas State's coming off a bye, so they'll be well unrested, and, you know, they've got a little revenge on their mind after what I thought they played all in all a pretty well game, good game against Stanford. They just, you know, a few key mistakes, they let it go. So how you guys seeing this one taking place? I mean, I think obviously Kansas State's going to win this game easy, but what I'm looking forward to seeing is Ertz getting his game going at quarterback. You know, he was a little seemed like he was a little banged up against or got a little banged up against Stanford. Uh, but I want to see him getting his run game going and getting his passing passing game going. And also I want to see that that D line for K State uh, really get after the football. I thought they'd they did a really good job against Stanford and getting to the quarterback, but I kind of want to see them, you know, put it together as a defense. That to me, this is their tune-up game, one of their tune-up games before they get into Big Twelve play. So, I think they need to take full advantage of of this matchup. Jugstrap. Yeah. Just like Colin said, I want to see more consistency out of Ertz, and and I want, I want to see if they are going to make any personal major. Changes. Major personnel changes? Major personnel changes. Like the quarterback or what? Well, well yeah. you're talking about the quarterback? You're talking about just like since they had a bye week? Yeah, since they had a bye week. Oh. You want to see if somebody new starts the game, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Ertz, one thing I saw with Ertz that I thought, his arm actually impressed me a little bit at, Can- at Stanford. You know, he's not the most accurate passer, obviously, but I mean, he didn't do too bad of a job. I mean, he was on pretty close with some of them, and I'm curious to see, I mean, Pringle – and, uh, you know, what was the other receiver's name? I forgot his name now. Pringle and the other real good receiver they had, they, they got behind coverage quite a bit and well, didn't have any problems. So, And that, that Stanford game showed us what we all said in the preview show and everything else. You always know that, that uh, um, the coaches' teams are going to come out and battle. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they have no give up. They, they're ready. They, yeah, they, they do what they're supposed to do, where they're supposed to be. I mean, they, they just kind of got beat at Stanford by some better athletes. But – but as far as their game scheme and everything they did, they played really well. They just they just didn't have enough 
talent there to, to get them over the hump against Stanford. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Colin. Well, I was just going to say, from, from my side, all, all I really want to see out of Kansas State is more consistency on offense, the ability to hit a few big plays. You know, uh, Florida Atlantic doesn't have a Christian McCaffrey, so I, I think they're going to win this e- easily, obviously. Um, if Ertz for some reason struggles or anything, you know, how fast are they to go to, I believe it's a, is it Joe Hubner? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, do that. Does he get a play any if he struggles? But I mean, this is this is one of those games like you're saying. It's it should just be a a test for the Big Twelve season. Yeah, I think I think Ertz will get the majority of the snaps, and if they get a big lead, I think you'll see Hubner come in and and get a lot of snaps. But I don't. I think Snyder's gonna gonna see what he has in with Ertz to start this game and and see how it goes. That way, you can make a decision on you know what quarterback he wants to go with in the future. But to me, it's Ertz's job to lose. Well, yeah, and it seemed like in the Stanford game, Ertz was playing really well, and they started having those cramp problems. But, I mean, he kept battling, and he kept making throws there towards, you know, the third quarter and stuff. So, I mean, I I feel like he probably is the right guy to do it, Um, you know, as long as he stays healthy and and everything. But, I mean, he kind of impressed me there towards the end of that game with some of the stuff he was doing in the Stanford game. Yeah. And it's it's that dual threat ability that also opens up a lot of things for him. He's able to make something out of nothing at times. Yeah, Huber, Hubner, he to me he looks more like, and I, honestly, he had a few good throws in the Stanford game that actually impressed me. Yeah, he did. Um, remembering him from the previous season, like wasn't he the one that was in the game against Oklahoma State? Wasn't he the one that played most of the game against Oklahoma State? Hubner. No, well, that no, was he's the, the wide one that receiver, got, right? Yeah. Oh, he's the one that got hurt. Okay. Hubner got hurt, and then they brought in the wide receiver slash quarterback. Okay, I was gonna say it seemed like Cooks, they aired out the ball a lot. Yeah, but. Um, just a little bit about, you know, FAU's quarterback isn't terrible. 41, so far he's 41 for 67 with 449 yards passing. Is that Driscoll? Yep. Is he related to the Jeff Driscoll? I tried to find that out because it's not a common name. I looked it up like crazy and I'm going to say no. I, I looked like, I looked everywhere I could to figure that yeah, out and I'm going to say no. Probably find some time. Uh, Jason Driscoll is there, is his name and he's not, as far as I can tell, he's not related to Jeff. Um, you know he's not been a bad quarterback so far. Uh, they're running back Greg Howe. He's had he's kind of been for what I can tell a workhorse. I mean he's got 35 carries so far, 203 yards, three touchdowns. He's not you know he's a pretty good sized back, six one two fifteen. So I mean he's not your average small school running back. Uh, Caleb Woods seems to be like or Caleb Woods is a pretty good um, you know wide receiver. He's had 12 catches, 181 yards. He's six three one ninety five. So they've got some some decent size at the skill positions. Uh, their FAU is allowing 500 yards and 34 points a game, and they're only getting 333 yards at 24 points a game. Um, they definitely lean on the run game. They're a little run game heavy. So um, they're actually outrushing Kansas State so far, but, you know, keep that in context. But Kansas State, you know, per game so far, they're outrushing them 108 to 92. Yeah, but that was against so, Stanford. So yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, keep it in context. But they're actually, you know, they're outrushing them so far. So, you know, they're Kansas State's actually putting up 335 yards a game. The run defense I thought looked great. Um, I expect Kansas State to shut them down. And uh, you know, like I said earlier, I expect uh, Heath and Pringle to have a field day at the wide receivers position. So, and uh, you know, Kansas State's favored by 23. Anybody think they don't cover that? Everybody think they'll probably cover that? They should. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm not sure if they will. I mean, history suggests with K-State, they they really aren't very – they haven't been very friendly to Vegas betters with these uh, non-conference games against a, a lesser opponent. So 
I don't know. And Bill Snyder's not a type of guy that really runs up a score on on teams either. So That's, I would say it's it could go either way the one, on on covering that. The one thing I will I, say for Kansas State, I would lean State, on the side of them covering though. One thing I will say for Kansas State is FAU's defense is absolutely horrid. So yeah, and the and the thing that helps K State as well is their defensive line is really good. And with Florida Atlantic being having that workhorse, like you said, I think they'll be able to stuff up the run lanes and stop him. FAU's defense gave up 30 points to the Salukis, man. So, you know, I don't, I don't expect them to uh, do a whole lot against Kansas State. I, I don't know what you guys heard there, but I heard uh, Brady just lock Florida Atlantic for the his lock of the week. <laughs> I did not. Mm. <laughs> That's your upset, not. upset cover, backdoor cover of the week. Okay, uh, rolling on into the next one. Uh, this is a, this one's an interesting one for many reasons. Uh, we got Pitt at Oklahoma State here. Um, one little side note, if you would like to attend this game, I happen to see that there's 2,200 tickets still available. Uh, it's at 2.30 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State gives a uh, 75% chance to win that one. They give Oklahoma State 75% chance to win that one. Uh, they're a six-point favorite. So uh, how do you guys see this one playing out? Well, I, I'm really anxious to see uh, Oklahoma State's defensive line play in this game because we've heard a lot about it. And this is going to be a test. I mean, this is going to be where you find out if, if these guys are what they say they are. Because mm. Pitt last week against uh, Penn State, it, just to let you know, James Conner, I, I don't know if you guys seen his story. I bet you probably have, like on SportsCenter and stuff, about him recovering from cancer. Mm. But last week against Penn State, he had 117 yards rushing, one uh, touchdown rushing, and one receiving yard touch, I mean, one receiving touchdown. Yep. So, I mean, this, this is going to be the test to, to me. You know, if I was watching this game, I want to see how well – that defensive line plays against this because they're 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 down the hill run. We're going to smash you in the mouth type people, and so if if they can hold up here, it's a good sign for things to come in the future. But if they really struggle here against the run, it it could be a long year. So to me, it's the whole team. It's not just they're to me. I watched Pitt. I watched a lot of that game against Penn State. Uh, granted, it was on replay, but I watched a lot of it. And uh, to me, Pitt is just a physical team. They want to line right. up and try to whip you. From one it's, end of the field to the other. It's so. that blue collar, minor, steel town, you know, mm-hmm. type of attitude. You know, it seems like that team is taking, embracing that blue collar type of attitude. Yep. Colin, what do you see happening here? Well, I was kind of going to touch on what Kendall was saying. What I had read is that Pitt actually has three, I believe it's three offensive linemen that are projected to be drafted this year. So it's. That wouldn't shock me. They yeah, it's going to, it's going to be strength on strength. And you're going to have their offensive line, which is obviously the strength, one of the strengths of their team going against. The defensive line, which so far has been a strength of OSU, mm-hmm. you know how does how does that play out? Luckily for OSU, it seems that they are deep at defensive tackle. It should help against the run. Um, I was reading some stuff that some Pitt fans had written, and you know they obviously they were respectful to Penn State, but they did say that Penn State's defensive line wasn't very good. Oh no, it didn't yeah, look they, like it. They weren't very athletic at all. Yeah, they they weren't. You know, so take it with take that what you will, but. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I want to see, I want to see how I t- what I said before the show. I want to see how OSU responds here. I want to see how Rudolph, you know, what does he do this game because he was awful last game. And I, I said, I mean, I know every player has an off day, but that was probably his maybe second second worst, second worst yeah. start as a as a Cowboy. Uh, they have definitely got to be more efficient on third downs if they're going to have any success. That was one of 11's not going to cut it in this game. Uh, another thing I want to see. You know, I want to see Mike Yersich call some run plays. They need to at least attempt to run the ball in this game, and it needs to be Justice Hill. Well, you know, and that's – speaking of that, you know, 
Coach Gundy actually said that in his press conference. You know, he, he basically said we we abandoned the run way too soon in this last mm-hmm. game, and he'll his exact words were he'll need to touch the ball more. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it sounds like that he's kind of driving home the emphasis to the offensive coordinator that this needs to happen. You yeah. know, a, lo- a local writer here that uh, you know some of you may have heard of him, may not have. A local writer here by the name of Barry Trammell writes for the Daily Oklahoman. He said that uh, in his opinion. He saw better holes opened up and a better schematics in this run game against Central Michigan, and they just didn't execute it, and they got away from it way too soon. Well, that, and, that's what I was saying in the in a review show. The if you take out the sacks, which I believe there were nine sacks of, of Rudolph, you take those out, the running backs were averaging over four yards a carry, which it, it's been what two years since we've seen that at in, in Stillwater. I mean, you one thing that they need to do is they they need to pick a running back rotation and stick to it they've, they've got to stop this five running backs i mean i know they didn't do a lot of that last week because you only gave a couple of running backs one carry but you need to pick two to three running backs and give them give them chance to get into a rhythm exactly yeah i i would i would even you know say two i, I to me i would like to see and i don't know like i said i'm not the expert in oklahoma state yet due to some tv things and time controversies i haven't had a chance to watch them a lot I've gotten to see it probably about a total of three quarters of them. But um, to me, I would like to see Carson and, and Justice Hill kind of the feature two backs from what I can tell so far and then see what happens from there. Maybe is Rennie Child, he's still there, isn't he? I haven't yeah. heard nothing out of him this year. I think Has he, he done he, anything? No, not really. I think he's, he's only had four carries on the season. But oh, okay. I think what it needs to be, in my opinion, is Justice Hill starts. You have Carson as you know a, a goal line back, short yardage back. Mm-hmm. And then get – Barry Sanders, get him involved in the game. Yeah. I mean, we've seen what uh, – granted, it was against southeastern Louisiana, but we saw what he could do with the ball in space. And it was pretty impressive, at least against – I mean, that's the FCS team, but – And I think you're making the right call there. It's in space. It's not necessarily line, lining up and, mm-hmm. and having to run downhill. It's more throwing screen passes or whatever to him. Get get him out where he can have some vision and can move because that's, that's where he's at his best. Well, that's the sign of a good coach, too, is somebody that can take – you know your players and make the best system around them you know well, and run that diamond formation or something and have barry come out of the backfield and you know maybe carson is the one who will run it up the middle and maybe justice hill gets outside you know some combination of that i think would work really well well and that's what we had heard going into the season was like hey you know it's not a bad thing to have five running backs here we're going to build our offense and it's going each person is going to have a set specialty that they're good at you know we have barry sanders we're going to get him out on swing passes we're going to run screens Stuff along that. Chris Carson is going to run up the middle. It, it's just they they did a lot of talking in the offseason, and early in the two games that you expect them to work on the run game, they did not. It, it was a, a very big surprise to me that they didn't focus on a run. Like I was telling somebody today, I would have ran the ball 60 times on against uh, southeastern Louisiana. Yeah, I was I mean, surprised they didn't do that more. They than didn't even, even, the offense didn't even need to score a touchdown in that game to win. Yeah, to me, Oklahoma State's got to get the run game going. I think, I think that that lies in who will win the game. I think if Oklahoma State can can get the run game going, get the offense clicking, and Rudolph can can control himself and not throw all those high passes like he did last week, I think the offense for Oklahoma State is superior to to Pitt's offense. Uh, the defense, un- unfortunately for Oklahoma State, Pitt's defense is really good against the run uh i think i don't know i think kendall mentioned this earlier or not may have may or may not have but last against penn state uh pitt held a 341 to 70 yard advantage on the ground 
So, I mean, that's that's a huge gap there in in rushing yards. Now, granted, Pitt got out early and was able to run the ball, and Penn State had to had to throw the ball a lot. But mm-hmm. I want to see if Oklahoma State can actually stay committed to the run and get in some lanes to get the rest of that offense clicking. Well, this is one of those games that passing to set up the run is important. You know, you're going to have to complete those boundary throws. You're going to have to get them to spread out a little bit, try to get the uh, running back some room to run. Uh, keys yep. to the game for me, I had Kenosha stop the running game and make Pitt try to beat them through the air. They can do that. I think they have a good shot. And also, you know, Kenosha establish any sort of run game. And if they can, the big plays are there in the passing game at that point. And I, I'd pick OSU to win. And I, I'm picking them to win this week. I. One thing I would like to see, a few things I would like to see. One, um, you know, like you were talking about Rudolph coming back this game. Um, to me, it sounded like in post-game interviews, he kind of really carried the weight of that loss quite a bit, even though the play wasn't, you know, it wasn't him that called the play. He just executed what he was told to. So I would be curious to see how he does from that standpoint. Um, like I said, from what I saw, Pitt was definitely the more f- physical team, even than Penn State at times, but definitely more than OSU shown the ability to be physical yet this year. Um one thing I would really like to see, OSU by far on the positive side is by far the most athletic, fast team that they've seen this year. So I think that, you know, one thing, I mean, I it wouldn't shock me if you lined them up if OSU was the fastest team in the Big 12. They've recruited, one thing they've recruited there very well the last three, four years is speed. They got a lot of speed guys. Sometimes they haven't always figured out the best way to use them. But when it talks about speed on the field, OSU is a fast team, especially on that turf in Stillwater. So that'll be a, that'll be an advantage they have by far, the biggest most physical secondary and Pitt. You know they don't really have the best passing game in the world. It does look like, however, they take advantage of it in red zone situations. They you know the quarterback's thrown five touchdowns, but he's only thrown for two hundred sixty six yards on the year. So I mean you know he's not just lighting the world on fire. It's just that I think when he gets inside the ten or twenty, he's actually taking advantage of it with the pass. And you know, OSU's very good in the red zone defense. So that'd be something I'd be curious to see too, because they lean heavily on the run until it seems like they lean heavy on the run until they get inside the ten or so, and then they actually kind of go to passing a little bit. So, see, and I think they're one of those old school teams that uses the tight ends effectively, and mm-hmm. you know, there's yeah. smash mouth football, and then we we can throw the ball a little bit, but it's not necessarily we're going to throw it to all the wide receivers. We're going to use our tight ends across the middle. We're mm-hmm. which obviously, I mean, that was a weakness last week. The tight ends just. Central Michigan tight end just chewed OSU up last week. One thing I, they, one thing I've seen them do both times. I've seen Pitt play twice so far this year, a little bit sparingly in both times. But one thing they really like to do with Connor, uh, especially in the red zone, is they'll take the wide receivers, uh, you know, say like on the left side, and they'll send one to the corner and like a fade route maybe, and then like the inside receiver will do a post, leaving this flat wide open underneath on the goal line, and Connor will just run right off the tackle and run a flat right there and catch a touchdown. That's something they like to do a lot. So, you know, there's things like that they like to do. So, you know, I'll be interested to see what happens. You know, OSU's favored by six. There's no doubt in my mind they could cover this, you know, fine against this game. I'm just, you know, can they, will they do it? I'm I'm curious to see if they'll match some of, surely they're going to be upset enough and pissed off enough of the result that they're going to try to match some of Pitt's physicality. You would think so. Yeah, that's that's what you got to look at here, whether or not they're going to sit here and sulk over that loss or if they're going to come out and try to hit somebody in the mouth. I think it's going to be the latter part of that. So, I mean, I've, I've got Oklahoma state. I've projected them to cover. I'm, I'm projecting a score of 28 to 20. Okay. That seems reasonable. Cover. 
Okay, we're going to go ahead and roll on, on to our next game here. We got uh, La Tech versus Texas Tech. That's uh, 6 p.m. I didn't see any TV times for this one. Did anybody else? I don't know if I just overlooked it. Uh, I, I didn't. But okay. I, I didn't really look, to be honest. If it did, it's probably some kind of regional Fox Sports broadcast or something. I'm not sure. I didn't see anything. I um, think it was Fox Sports. I it, can't remember for sure, though. It might have been. It didn't show up. And I, like I said, I could have overlooked it. I was about. I was running on no sleep today doing this. So, um, you know, 6 p.m., it's a 79.3% chance FPI for Tech. Tech is an 11-point favorite, which I feel like they'll probably cover that. Um, you know, Law Tech, a little bit about Law Tech, people. You might remember a couple weeks ago, they barely lost to Arkansas. You all probably remember that. I think Kendall brought it up in the show well, that week. Um, they needed a late TD. Arkansas did to win that game. One thing on that game that was also interesting is they didn't have their starting quarterback against Arkansas. Really? I didn't know that. No, he returned last week was his first game of the season. He was suspended for week one against Arkansas due to an offseason DWI. Wow, Higgins, if he'd have been playing in that game, they'd have won. I didn't know Higgins was out of that game. Um, yeah, they uh, also their other game so far this year, they beat the living crap out of SC State fifty three to twenty four. And that, you know, that there was a late touchdown or so in there too, or it would have been worse than the score projects. Um, you know, their best player quarterback is Ryan Higgins. He's so far, he's 34 for 52. He's done for 400 yards, four touchdowns. Um, you know, one thing that they do, they give up, they score 36 points a game. They only give up 22 a game. So, I mean, they're, you know, they're a little better on keeping the balance there than some of the other teams we see of their ilk. Um, they score, they put up 509 yards a game, and they're only allowing 295 yards a game. So they're, they're pretty balanced on offense and defense. Well, yeah, looking at this game, I, I just got to ask myself, can Tech stop anybody? I mean, yeah. Because, I mean, judging by what I've seen last week, if if they let this tech, this Louisiana Tech quarterback do what he's capable of doing, it, mm-hmm. it's going to be a shootout. Yeah, because he can hurt you if you let Right, him. right. And, and the problem is you can't win every shootout. You mm-hmm. know, that's, that's been Texas Tech's problem for the last few years. It's been every every game they've had to win has to be 68-65. Yeah. It, it can't be 35-30. to 30. You know, and so that's my biggest question this week is, can they what is their defense improved from last week because last week it was horrendous yeah it was it was brutal and not taking anything away from the running back quarterback at, at Arizona State they seem like pretty solid players but I mean personally I didn't feel like that quarterback was in Mahomes class did y'all no but and, I mean but whatever there's no one within mm-hmm. 15 feet of your receiver it's, it's kind of easy to make that throw that's what I'm saying like they they were just that bad and you know I probably gave them a little too much credit by saying their secondary was mediocre at best honestly you know, the way they're looking right now, it wouldn't shock me, especially in the Big 12, if they finished 120-something in the country in pass defense and probably in the hundreds overall. I mean, they just – like I said, defensive line, they've got some guys. I mean, they've got a couple of NFL players. I know Fihokos will make it to the NFL. You know, the Popkins or Pipkins or whatever his name is, Andre, he, uh, you know, he's got a pretty good shot at least making an NFL roster. Uh, so, I mean, they, you know, they got a little talent up there. Like I said, linebacker, they lost their best tackler, got kicked off the team, but – I just they have you know it's bad enough they don't have any depth but the, what they do have is just you know, they're not very good they're not your typical FBS defensive players they're just not and no. you're not going to be able to outscore everybody fifty to nothing it's just not going to happen no see and I think I think this game is actually going to be I don't think it's going to be a blowout I think it's going to be close in fact it wouldn't surprise me if La Tech covered I I will pick Tech to win Texas that is mm-hmm. uh, but I th- I think it's going to be a good game. It, May not be for the 
you know, the SEC fans, the the Big Ten fans that want to see the six to three finals. But I, I think it's going to be a good game, and it would not surprise me if it's not close at the end. Yeah, I, I'm with Kendall about seeing if Tech can actually stop anything. I mean, watching some of that Arizona State game from last week, I mean, it was literally like Arizona State was playing against air. I mean, you could have just eliminated the Tech players and it would have been the same offensive plays. Yeah, they weren't even disrupting disrupting the routes. Well, I heard a stat, yeah. I heard a stat earlier this week that said that if you took all the yards, like if you took where Arizona State started with the football and you went all the way to the goal line each time from where they started, they gained 86% of those yards throughout the entire game. So wherever they started, they gained 86% of the yards to the end zone every single – I mean, overall throughout the entire game. Hmm. Which is like, you know, I mean, that's insane. Yeah, you, you can never win a ball game like that. Well, and I heard a, a funny, this is kind of um, off base. It's just a funny comment somebody made. And they were like, "Well, Tech might actually be better off not even making the other team run its offense. Just say, hey, instead of you taking possession and trying to score, we're going to give you four points <laughs> right now, and then we'll run our offense. Let you try us to stop us. Back. Yeah, and say they have a better chance of winning if they do that. Mm-hmm. One one thing I wanted to touch on on Tech's offense is, you know, Mahomes is a leading rusher so far this year, also on top of all his passing yards. The second leading rusher is Justin Stockton with 13 carries for 45 yards. Yeah, That's not going to do it in, in Big 12 play. I mean, they need to get him involved. And in, he's been really involved in the receiving aspect of the game. I think he's second on the team in receptions, if I'm not wrong. But, I mean, he's you got to have some kind of running game also. That's part of the problem with, these Texas Tech type offenses, you pass the ball so much, your defense, and obviously the other day when they're running the track meet the entire game, they had to be dead by the end. Well, see what I want to see from, and to me, this is kind of a question I had with OSU a little bit too, Oklahoma State was, could they and why could they not, unless Yurcich just, does, just doesn't, I don't, I don't want to take anything away from the guy because I don't know, maybe he doesn't think creatively enough, I'm not sure. You know, if you're not going to have a true running back, you know, because I agree, that was one of my notes I had right here. Stockton has got to become more of the, of the rushing game here. But if not, you know, let's see some more of the bubble screens, the tunnel screens, the, you know, the dig routes, things like that you can just swing passes, you know, wheel routes with the running back. You can have – it doesn't necessarily have to be a true – now, there's times where we all know you've got to be able to at some point line up in some close games and run when everybody knows you're running. You've got to be able to do that to win some games. But – Throughout the game, you can use that passing game as an extension of your run game, and I'm curious as to why OSU hasn't even tried to explore some of them options too. Because it, to me, it seems like with OSU, Tech seems to hit a little more slants and short passes, but with OSU, it almost seems like more downfield routes that you see way more of, and they don't quite hit enough of the short routes, which I know we're not talking about them, but I'm just saying I had that question about them also. Yeah, that is a good point. I mean, it, they have to do something. You have to be able to adapt to your players one way or another mm-hmm. and find out ways to get them their hands on the ball whether if it's not handing the ball then whether you said shovel passes screen passes whatever try to get them involved mm-hmm. and you know one thing that i'm really interested to in see in this game is after all the talk i mean because i think everybody has had the same talk about texas tech defense do those players get tired of hearing that i mean is there a different attitude practice this last week mm-hmm. where they want to like you know prove people wrong because I, man, I would be embarrassed, actually. After I had watched that film, like I would be embarrassed. Well, see, after we were watching that game, I remember I was telling you both those defenses, they looked like they had just resided to the fact that our offenses are going to bail us out, and we're just out here going through the motions. 
do you almost wonder if at some point and me personally i was too competitive when i played sports granted i never played sports on this level but when i played sports i was too competitive too prideful just to do something like that but do you feel like they at some point you know because of the but rather it's the culture in this program from a defensive standpoint and then seeing that happen in the game do you just feel like maybe they just accept that at some point in the year and that's the way they carry out their business and just think hey if we can't stop anybody on the first drive, then clearly we're not going to be able to the whole game, so let's just let our offense bail us out. That, that could be part of it. I mean, especially last week because it just seemed like they lost interest. I mean, they just the hustle and then the mental breakdowns were so many in that game. Mm-hmm. That it, it was almost, you're right, almost like they just shut down mm-hmm. because it, it, it was to the point to where, you know, receivers were three or four yards open, which is, you know, they should never be like that. No. Like it, it, was, it was bad, yeah. real bad. Yeah, that's what I felt too. Brady, you got anything else you want to add to this game? No, that's that's all I got. Yeah, they just one little last note here. Uh, Tech is giving up sixty-two points a game. Are they getting sixty-two points a game? Giving up forty-two points a game. So you know, anybody has any offense at all, that's not going to help them. Uh, you know, they're they're putting up six hundred eighty-five yards a game and giving allowing five hundred eleven yards a game. So you know, they're not near as balanced as Tech as we talked about. Yeah, so, I uh, I agree with Colin too about. Uh, Tech ultimately winning the game, but I think it's going to be a close game as well. I mean, Tech. it could be another one of those fifty to forty games. I mean, it, if Tech isn't able to stop anybody, then it could be even worse than that. Tech, yeah. Tech's an eleven point favorite. Who y'all got covering? Tech, La Tech, Louisiana La Tech is what I La got Tech. covering Brady's as well. Got La Tech. I, I do too. I'm I'm going to lean in that direction until until I can see them actually stop someone for a drive on defense in a game, then mm. I'll change my mind. But judging by what I seen last week, I, I think it's you're looking at a seven point ball game. Probably it's going to be a lot you know a lot of scoring. I'm going to go Texas Tech because they're at home and uh, they seem to play a lot differently at home. That's a that's a tough place to go do anything really. Yep, people just like to drive as fast away as possible. <laughs> yeah, they like to get out of there as quick as possible. Okay, uh, rolling into one of our two main headliners of the of the weekend here. Uh, Texas going to take a trip up to Berkeley to take on Cal. Uh, 9.30 ESPN. Uh, the Cal ha- or, uh, Texas is a 59.1% FPI favorite here. They are about an eight-point, roughly a touchdown favorite, depending on where you're looking at favorite here. Um, you, know, they, I, you know, anytime we get a chance against another big conference like this, you know, I hope we. Uh, I'd like to steal one here. So, what do you, what do you guys see this one doing? How do you see this one happening? Well, I, I just kind of looking over it. I mean, this is going to be a game where Texas is uh, defensive secondary is going to be tested. I mean, uh, California and, and a quarterback Webb. I mean, they're putting up 481 yards passing a game. They're number two in the country in passing. So their secondary is definitely going to be uh, tested in this game. And then offensively, I know Cal has a problem stopping the run. It showed up last week in the San Diego State game. Uh, that, that kid, uh, what's his name, uh, Donnell Pumphrey, I'm pretty sure that's his name, the, the San Diego State running back, mm-hmm. 281 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, went off. So, yeah, I mean, but the kid's a stud. I mean, he's the real deal. Yeah, he's but, good. But, you know, so if, if they can get that run game going good and control the ball and, you know, kind of ease things up on Michelle, because this is going to be his first road game. <laughs> So it'd be interesting to see how well he plays on the road. But I, I feel like if they can control the game with the run game, which they should be able to, uh, Texas ought to be able to win this game fairly easy, I think. Yeah. Colin, what do you see happening in this game? Well, I wanted to lead off with a, an interesting stat, I thought. You know, um, Webb was a, a former Big 12 quarterback, played for Texas, Texas Tech. Tech. yeah. Right. He has never faced the Longhorns. 
Really? He was at Tech for, I believe, three years. He, um, Baker Mayfield started the first, his first year. Mm-hmm. He was injured the next year. And then um, Mahomes was a quarterback by the time the third-year-old around, and then he transferred, of course, to Cal. Yeah. So although he's he's been at the game three times, he has yet to actually play play Texas. Hmm. Um, I, I was reading a little bit before I came in, and I know Texas is ready for the bye week. They they have a lot of a lot of their teams banged up. Yeah. Not necessarily big injuries or anything, but just kind of. There's a lot of guys with nagging. Injuries. Yeah, a lot of aches and pains. Mm-hmm. Um. Foreman should be back this week, which bodes well, especially with Cal struggling against the run. Mm-hmm. You should have Foreman. You'll have uh, Warren and also Swoops. So we might see some of the 18-wheeler if, if needed. Um, I, I, I want to see Buchel go against a, a defense on the road. You know, he's been in the friendly confines of Austin for a while now. Let's let's see how he acts when the fans are not friendly. Um, yep. Let me see here. I have the uh, the game will be settled by the defenses. You know, Cal if if they want to have a chance to win, they've got to figure out a way to stop the the strong run game for Texas. Well, uh, Texas they can't afford you can't let they can't afford to let Webb beat them deep. They can give up. They're going to give up. A, uh, they're giving up yards. I mean, this is kind of the Big Twelve offense that we're all used to seeing. It's the the bend and not break philosophy. I know Strong was saying we're, we're giving up some yards, but we just can't let them throw them over our head. So mm-hmm. they keep them from doing that. Uh, I'm comfortable with picking Texas to win and probably win easily. Brady, what do you see happening in this game? Yeah, I've got I've got Texas with the advantage uh, just because of their defense. I think Texas has the more athletic defen- defensive players. You know, Malik, Malik Jackson back there or Jefferson. Malik Jefferson. Is that right? Yeah, Malik Jefferson. Yeah. I mean, with him back there and, and all their other guys that have have a lot of experience, I think – I think that they're going to be able to put some stops on Cal. You know, Cal, they're averaging uh, 617 yards per game. So that's that's a pretty tough offense to go up against. Uh, they're kind of on that Texas Tech philosophy, though, all offense, no defense type of, type of philosophy. So with what we've seen from Texas so far this year on the offensive side of the ball with Michelle, I think that they're going to be able to one, make the big plays when they need to make the big plays, and two, be able to run the ball and control the clock. I think that's going to be a big part of this game with with Texas for, for winning is that they'll be able to get their run game going and control that clock and keep Cal off the field. I do think Cal will score some points, but I think that Texas will get some stops, and the amount that they're able to keep them off the field I think will pay huge dividends. Yeah, you know, kind of following him with what you said there. When I, you know, I've watched Cal play the Hawaii game. I saw a little bit of their highlights against uh, San Diego State. That was my exact impression is this is a Pac-12 Texas Tech. Um, to me, their secondary, to me, is a little more physical. Uh, I think they play a little bit better than Texas Tech's, but not a whole lot. But for the most part, they're built in a lot of the same manner. Um, one thing they have that maybe Texas Tech doesn't, for instance, they do have kind of a bruiser back, uh, Vic Inware. I think it's Inware. I'm not really sure how you pronounce it. I'm calling it Inware or Inware. Uh, 20 carries, 145 yards. He has no touchdowns. He's a six foot one, 240-pound junior, so he's kind of a banger. Um, the guy that really impressed me, I thought was a blast to watch, uh, especially in the Hawaii game when he got in open space, is the Kalfani Muhammad. He's a running back. He's a, he's a former track guy. He's 5'8", 174 pounds, but, man, 
If he gets in space, I don't care who Texas has. He's gone. He's history. You're not good. This dude can fly. And, uh, I mean, he puts his leg in the ground and hits the seam and he's gone. So he he's um, – he I will be – that to me would be interesting to see. I think they're going to probably, if I was guessing, you know, you've got Malik Jefferson and a guy that people don't talk about near enough that's a heck of a linebacker, Anthony Wheeler, one of their linebackers. He was a big-time recruit. Um, they – are your physical linebackers hit guys in the hole, stuff like that. They're not the best in pass coverage. I kind of look to see if if they if Kalfani and maybe some kind of tight end combination from Cal can pull some of those linebackers out of the way and open it up. Because I'm telling you, Muhammad's a mismatch. I don't care. He's just too fast and too small. So, you know, that, that would be something I'd find interesting. Uh, the wide receiver, Hanson, that's who Texas is really going to have to focus on. He's got 28 catches, 350 yards. Three touchdowns, and he's he's you know he's a he's an NFL size receiver. No, six two two oh five. Isn't that leading FBS his his yard total? Uh, honestly, probably you're right. I didn't look for that, but who's, you're probably who's right. yard total? Chad Hansen's three hundred fifty yeah, yards. I think he's leading the country. In that wouldn't shock me. I mean, that's that's a lot I of think, yards for two I games. I think that is right. I think that's what I read as well. Yeah, well, you know, it, this podcast you know it goes out to all the different teams of the Big Twelve, and and, and as a fan of the Big Twelve. You have to be rooting for Texas in this game. Mm-hmm. This this game is very important for the Big Twelve to, to win this game because mm-hmm. if, if Texas were to go out there and lose, it, it really it, dro- it drops us quite a bit as a league. Yeah, the conference if, if you, is if you, bad. You know, as a view across the nation. It, say know. say Oklahoma beats Ohio State. If that happens, Texas you know wins this. When our contenders go to play through the conference, if we have a bunch of terrible non-conference losses, right. that's going to hurt our perception with the playoff committee. It's going to hurt our perception in bowl games in general. I mean, it just—it's. I know a lot of people are, are hesitant to, to latch onto this because the SEC came up with a unified conference kind of thing, but you guys really have to start accepting that fact as much as it's hard. I mean, believe me, it's not easy for me. I mean, my the team, the rivals of my team, not a big fan of them, but it's come to the point to where I really have to pull for them, you know, 11 weeks out of the year or, you know, 10 to 12 weeks out of 10 or nine weeks out of the year, depending on who they're playing. So, you know, that's, you really have to focus on that. If, if our goal as a whole is to be respected, um, you know, it's, they, we've got to come together and really do well as a conference. So these, these inner conference matchups, especially with the power five, really got to focus on winning those. Yeah. With, with all that being said though, I really feel like Texas has got the upper hand here. And I, I feel like they should they should win the game, control the game, as much you know the running game they should be able to control it and win this game pretty easily I think. Yeah, something we're not used to saying lately. Texas feels like the more complete team here. Yes. So and they and they can run the ball a lot better. So. It it will be interesting to see what Buchel does, I and mean, this is first kind of big road big road game. So we'll see how he reacts with the crowd and and see if he's able to, you know play over that crowd noise and and get things going yep everybody uh texas minus eight everybody feels like they cover that probably i feel like they should i mean it's gonna be about a touchdown probably at kickoff so i mean sure if they win surely they're gonna cover a touchdown so yeah i'm taking the longhorns so yeah i would take texas this one if i remember right a couple years ago it was a really good game last right. week i mean last year they was it last year well they missed uh, texas mixed the, missed the extra point to tie the game that's up. that's right that's right i just remember one. it being crazy okay yeah. All right, so that closes that one out, and rolling into our final one of the weekend, uh, the big headliner, and honestly, probably for the country. I mean, I know a lot of people are talking about the Florida State game, but from what I feel like nationally, this one has the most people's attention. Uh, Ohio State, Oklahoma, uh, six thirty on Fox. 
Uh, you know, Fox kind of does those weird offset times. They let ESPN games start first, and then they come in a little after them. Uh, 54.3% OU favored to win this, and FPI, but in Vegas world, Ohio State's about a two-point favorite, give or take a half a point or so, depending on where you're at. Um, you know, you guys' thoughts on this one? This one should be a lot of fun. I'm I'm looking forward to the game. I mean, you and I are going to the game. You and I, as in Corey and I, yep. are going to be at the game. So, I mean, I'm interested to see what the atmosphere is going to be like in the new stadium for this game, not, ju- not just in the stadium, but around campus. But, uh, you know, th- this is a big game, number one AP all-time versus number two AP all-time. So, I mean, these guys have played, what is this, their third time to play ever? Yep, third time. Well, here's my question for you guys covering the OU team. Lately, I mean, in bigger games, like the Houston game, for example, whenever OU kind of struggled a little bit running the ball, they were, you know, they were running all right, but, I mean, they started to abandon it royally. You know, if let's just say in this game, Ohio State's able to, to you know, let's say hold them to two, two and a half, three yards a carry. Do you, do you feel like Lincoln Riley's going to bail on the run like he did in previous games, or do you feel like he might go ahead and stick to it a little more in this one? The, the little bit of history we have with Lincoln Riley, and granted, you know, you got to give us that. There's not a whole lot of history there. Um, the little bit of history you've had with him is it feels like that after, you know, I don't know if it's after facing adversity or what the case may be, the little bit of history we have, it feels like after he's faced some adversity, he's kind of stuck with it. Um, and, and there shouldn't be any filling out process here is what, you know, I mean, the offensive line is a few new members. Uh, here's the thing. Here's my – if Ohio State holds OU to three yards of carry, they lose the game. I don't think OU can beat Ohio State at three yards of carry. So I really don't – you know, I don't see that it matters a whole lot as far as – I mean, if they stick to it, they're, unlike we've talked about, there is that fine line of if you can at least convince them that you're going to try to run the ball, you know, it opens yeah. up the pass game. But play action is a huge part of Riley's offense. Well, you know, I'm not saying necessarily stick with it the entire game. I mean, not like run into a wall the entire game. But mm-hmm. it just seemed like the Houston game, he just bailed on it so early that, yep. that it, to me it seemed way too soon. It, yeah, know? exactly. And that's and that's we've seen it a few times uh, early in the year. It, it happened against Texas, obviously. Happened against uh, – uh, Tennessee, and it happens again, and it happened against Clemson. Clemson, OU ran the ball great in the first quarter, and was dominate or not dominating the game, but was in full control of the game and leading it. And then it just went away. So I mean, um, it's hard to say. I mean, like I said, we don't have a huge sample size, right. but I feel like if, to me, when OU has the most success under him is when they open with the run for the pass. If they try to go out and throw the ball over the yard to try to make some room for the run game. To me, they usually already start off behind the eight ball. It doesn't quite work out as well for them as it does the other way generally. So yeah, I think I think with this game here for Ohio State, the advantage for Oklahoma with Ohio State is all the. I mean, I think I read that they're starting or playing nine true freshmen, and then I want to say like another dozen or so redshirt freshmen have played so far this year for Ohio State. So. You're getting a lot of new faces, maybe not familiar with this type of atmosphere and coming to a big road game. And Oklahoma fans, they can get loud, whether or not they stay loud. There's been times that they've been kind of kicked around for for not maintaining their loudness throughout the game. But but I think with, with them coming to Oklahoma this year and then being a, a young team, I think the advantages for Oklahoma as far as atmosphere, because 
I just don't. I mean, if I was a freshman going into a, a game like this, there's definitely going to be nerves. And if I don't get started early or get comfortable early, then things would, to me, feel like they could get out of hand early. Well, here's my question for you guys. With uh, JT Barrett being the type of quarterback that he is, which is obviously a dual threat, he can throw the ball, he's an effective runner, is OU's strategy with him, defending him, going to be similar to what they used against Ward with Houston? Are they going to try to completely take away one aspect of his game and focus on the other? And if so, you know, how does how do you feel that impacts the game? Because Barrett obviously is a better passer than Ward was, where Ward might be a little bit better runner than Barrett is. But obviously he can he can do both. I just wanted to see what, what your take was on that. I don't – as far as – okay, the deal with Ward is I think, A, one, he caught him off guard a little bit. He was a much better passer this year than he was last year. That's one thing they weren't accounting for, I don't think, in the game plan. And two, if you want – to answer your question, no, it can't be exactly the same game plan because here's the big flaw in the game plan that they had. They were so focused on the run, or if you want to call it afraid of the run, whatever the situation may be, that they did not attack him. You cannot let – I don't care if you're afraid of the run, the pass, whatever. You cannot let a quarterback sit back there and just do what he wants. And they did – it's a thing we've seen in, in plenty of games past where Mike Stoops takes his defensive lineman and his defensive front, and it's almost what I call like a half rush or a half speed rush. He doesn't come all out with the rush. They kind of stand at the line and stick their hands up. That can't happen. You've got to run him off the spot. I don't care. And if it means he hits you a few times for 20 yards throughout the game, that's better to me than absolutely not pushing him off that spot at all. So you basically you want him to be throwing on the move and not just standing there. Yes, that, exactly. I don't. If you want to commit to trying to hope you contain the run, to me it's okay to let it break a few times as long as you're pursuing him. I don't. Yeah, and go ahead. And I think the first half of Houston game is a little different than the second half as well. I think that OU at the first half was kind of doing that where they press off and kind of sit to the side and, and wait for waited for Ward to make a move where as the second half you saw more or less Charles Walker really putting a rush on the quarterback and getting and getting back there and making him move around a little bit in the pocket. So to me, I think they use more of that second half strategy against Barrett and make him make him move and then put some kind of spy maybe on him to keep him from getting too far outside of contain. But, uh, I mean, that that's just the way I see it happening. Now it's hard to predict what Mike Stoops will actually do. To me, why this is so important that you have to get him off the spot is one main thing. If you watch OU's now, like I said, I've told you guys before, I think from watching OU, and we know historically OU saved stuff for Texas – to me, I think they've saved some stuff for this game. They've been very, very vanilla on some of their schemes defensively. Um, the defensive linemen aren't really stunting. There's not anything really out of the box that they've attempted all year. No, they haven't tried any like backdoor corner blitzes or you know bringing a guy from the nickel on the inside to blitz. You haven't seen any creative stuff like that. I think they're saving it for this game. Two, offensively also, I think they're doing it. But what to me the reason you can't just let him do that is because if you watch OU, if they're going to stick to this, they've played somewhat of a soft coverage with their corners, especially on Cobb's side when they're trying to figure that corner position out. If you don't run him off that spot, he's going to sit there and hit you for seven yards at a time all day long. Right. And and you can't do that. I mean, if, if that goes down in Norman, similar to the way it did in Baylor in 2014, where they basically held their hand all the way down the field, that place will be burned to the ground. They will not sit there and watch that again for four quarters, I guarantee you. 
Well, you know, and I think that's probably going to be what Iowa State's going to come out trying to do is attack that left side at the corner over there mm-hmm. and, and, and try to hit it over and over again. Because, I mean, just if you, you know, with Urban Meyer being with. Sorry, we weren't supposed to be recording that long. Go ahead. <laughs> well, with Urban Meyer being uh, Herman's, you know, right-hand man, I mean, Herman being right, uh, Urban's right-hand man, it's going to be interesting because I bet you, you know, obviously he's going to be giving him ideas and i think that's gonna be way up on the list is throw it to that side often and see what happens yeah i I would expect that to be too i mean you got cobb over there that's the freshman you're not going to throw to thomas who's the nfl prospect that they're they can he'll be drafted at some point i mean to me that's the to me ou has to adjust that somehow i don't know if i don't know if the answer is you bring a safety a strong safety stephen parker somebody over to cut that off i don't know what the answer is but there has to be something there because cobb uh, what's his name? The okay. Here's the cool thing about uh, Ohio State, real quick, with their player personnel, their receivers. I don't think they have anything that special at receiver. This is not a great team with receivers. Uh, their leading receiver is actually their running back. Um, his name is Curtis Samuel. He's a running back. He has 21 carries for 162 yards as a running back, but he has 14 catches for 239 yards and two touchdowns as a, a receiver. The next closest wide receiver has six. So I mean, he's their weapon. Curtis Samuel is their number one guy. So now, that's, is he the starter at running back? or is Well, that's not really. Actually, the actual starter, from what I can tell, is from Weber. what I understand, is Weber. Right. But he's more of your traditional back. But see, that's what I'd heard. Yeah. And he's their leading rusher. I, I'd heard so. that they have a couple of scat back type guys behind Weber that are just crazy mm-hmm. athletes. And, Samuel, I mean, that's Samuel yeah. in space is going to be hard to stop. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's what I look for them to do on defense. They're couple of really loaded guys. Malik Hooker has made probably the greatest interception I might have ever seen in my life against Bowling Green. If you haven't seen that, go watch it. He has three picks so far, which lead the nation. Marshawn Lattimore, the corner, has two picks. The one returning key name on this team, they only returned six starters, Raquan McMillan. Um, the defense as a whole has seven picks in two games. It's been 35 years since anybody from Ohio State has done that. So, you know, they've got, in my opinion, they've got a few more playmakers than OU probably does. But honestly, if I go through these position groups, it's kind of a wash in a lot of places. Um, o- Oklahoma has a better defensive line than o- Ohio State does offensive line. Ohio State's still not settled on their offensive line. They're not 100%. Tulsa had penetration, quite a bit of penetration on that line. You know, Tulsa's average is about 285 pounds on the defensive line, whereas OU averages about 305. So, and they're about two inches taller, too. So, you know, there's, there's places I can find where it's pretty much a wash in a lot of areas. So... Um, you know, Ohio State's a two two point favorite. What do you guys feel? See this one t- happening in this game? Well, that's one of our against the spread picks. Yeah. You want oh, I guess we now? can we can do that and well, roll on into the spread. One, one thing I want to add to the Ohio State Oklahoma. What what I want to see from Oklahoma because last week, I mean, it was kind of a free for all of everybody getting a chance to play. All the freshmen, you know, redshirt freshmen. A lot of those guys got some playing time, got some snaps in. I want to see how that relates to this week. You know, do we see uh, Neville Gallimore out there a little more this week? Do we see on the defensive line, do we see Caleb Kelly, the true freshman five-star guy from California? Do we see him more? Uh, how much do we see Cobb? Is he going to actually be the starter? I think he is, but we don't know 100% for sure. Uh, but I just want to see uh, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Mikael Jones, uh, he looked pretty good when he came in uh at receiver so i want to see if stoops holds those guys back or if he actually lets them get out on the field and and puts our playmakers out there to make some plays yeah real quick on that it's just 
they've come to the point now where they've got to decide, are we going to play the guys that appear to be more talented, that are younger, or stick with the experience? I mean, they've, yep. they've pretty much come to that point in a lot of positions, and that's what they've got to decide. Yeah, that's now or never on that decision. Mm -hmm. Yep. So rolling on into our picks then, since that's part of our picks. You want to start with uh, number one, Rice Baylor? Uh, what? what? Uh, no. Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking the at the wrong box. I was looking at the wrong box. I right. apologize. Uh, uh, number one, Florida State in Louisville. Yeah. Um, let's go Jackstrap. What do you got in the uh, Florida State-Louisville game? I got Florida, Florida State. Florida State's getting two and a half. Yeah, I got Florida State. Okay. Brady? I'm going to roll with Florida State. I got to side with Jockstrap here. He's kicking our butt. He is. Uh, Colin, what do you got? Florida State for me as well. Gordon. Oh, we lost. Yeah, I'm gonna take uh, <laughs> I'm gonna take Florida State just because Louisville hasn't proven to me that they have anything on defense yet. All right, I'm gonna take Florida State as well. Sweet. All right. Uh, yeah, sweep on that one. Uh, next one is uh, number one Alabama uh, minus ten at uh, number nineteen Ole Miss. Uh, Jockstrap, what you got? I got Alabama. Okay. Colin. I have Bama also. I think the they have the offense now. Corey? Uh, you know, last week I probably would have taken Ole Miss, but with the injuries they've had, especially since Ole Miss has beat them the last couple of times, but with the injuries they had in that game, I've got to take Alabama. I just don't think they've got enough depth. What do you got, Brady? I'm very intrigued to take Ole Miss. Um, yeah, give me Ole Miss. All right. All right, then uh, next game is number three, Ohio State. Two Did you favorite. do your pick, Kendall? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Alabama on that one, sorry. Uh, then uh, number three, Ohio State, minus two, at number 14, Oklahoma. Jockstrap, what do you got? I got Ohio State. Jockstrap's going to Ohio State. Colin, Colin, what do you got? Brady knows my answer, I'll let him say it. I have no idea. Ohio State. Corey, what do you got? Just to answer, whoever's playing Oklahoma. That's Colin's answer. <laughs> that that was definitely my answer. Um, I'm going to take Oklahoma since they're at home. That's about the only difference I can get in this one. What do you got, Brady? Boomer sooner. <laughs> now, to to defend my pick, I think, you know, some of us picking Ohio State on this, it's not necessarily a, a slap against Oklahoma. It's more just an indictment of the Big 12. I think the Big 12, sadly to say, is a bit down this year. And I think – I tried telling you all that the first show. Yeah. Not, not very good. I agree, and I mean this. That's why I'm taking Ohio State. It's I know don't, everybody, everybody don't will need roll to justify me. your hate for Oklahoma. <laughs> it's boiling. I, well, in this game right here, I went back and forth like 20 times, and so finally I just flipped the coin, and hmm. uh, and I ended up with Ohio State. And then uh, okay, the next game number 12 Michigan State at uh, number 18 Notre Dame, and Notre Dame is an eight point favorite. What do you got, Jockstrap? I got Notre Dame. Notre Dame going Irish. What do you got, Colin? Irish. Irish for you. What do you got, Corey? Yeah, same. Michigan State doesn't have an offense at all. What, what do you got, Brady? Irish. Yeah, I guess I'm going to be the oddball here. I'm, I'm taking Michigan State. That might come back to bite me, but let's go for it anyway. All right, and the last game we have is an uh, interesting one because it's in Nebraska here. It's uh, number 22, Oregon, a three-point favorite at Nebraska. What do you got, Jockstrap? I got Oregon to win what you got, Colin? I'm taking Nebraska. Nebraska. What you got, Corey? I'm going to take Nebraska. Uh, Brady, what do you have? Same. I'm going to the Huskers. I feel bad about that because Jockstrap's been killing us. <laughs> well, 
I, I'm with you guys. That's probably the one he's done get up on us because I took Nebraska as well. So that I'm be, the only oddball of the group. Yeah, well, that's probably the winner then. So, well, here's the one thing, though. I'll just tell everybody out there. If you're going to Vegas, you probably don't want to use any of our picks. We're, <laughs> we're, not, we're not doing very well, to be honest. So it's you should like side team. more on the side of Jockstrap than mm. any other. Like, any I said, like I said before, if we were doing these for real, I'd be finding different games. I wouldn't go anywhere near these games. Right. Definitely stay away from Cullen's picks. Um, I, I do think that Michigan State-Notre Dame game, I mean, Michigan State's ranked 12 and Notre Dame's 18, and they're, Notre Dame's given up eight points. So it's kind of a pretty big spread for the ranking discrepancies. I don't know. I, I Personally, I don't think so because Notre Dame has a pretty complete team and Michigan State's not very good offensively. I think the rankings yeah. are pretty much off on that one. I agree. I'm just talking, looking at rankings itself. Yeah. Um, anything else anybody wants to add this week well, to this show? Anything interesting? Just just real quick, you want to tell everybody to make sure you follow us on Twitter at Big XII Country. Uh, mm-hmm. You follow us there um, at Big XII Country at Gmail if you want to email us. And then uh, we also got our, our podcast loaded up on iTunes and, G, uh, and uh, Google Play now. So you're more than welcome to come follow us there. And when you follow us on, uh, on iTunes, make sure you guys click on, on the like or the uh, follow button. So the, or subscribe button so that uh, it'll start registering and, and it'll help us uh, build a build a bigger population. Yeah, get your friends to uh, listen to the podcast. Anybody that likes sports with the Big 12. And, uh, you know, once once again, I've told you in the past, you guys can kind of control the show a little bit. You know, send us your ideas. You know, and, and another thing, I, I'm going to keep asking for it till I get it. Send us your hashtags that are most popular with your fan bases. That way we know we're reaching you guys. Yeah. Hashtag please. Yeah, yes. we, and, we uh, love the likes. But the retweets, yeah, and uh, also uh, I'm sure we'll be uh, live tweeting during the games too a little bit. So uh, you can follow us on there and, and drop us a, a tweet every once in a while and, and uh, tell us what you think's going on. Yeah, you'll have uh, Kendall and Cullen doing a doing a lot of that. Corey and Brady will be at the Ohio State Oklahoma game, so it'll be a little bit yeah. difficult for them to do Depending that. Depending on the outcome of the Oklahoma Ohio State game, there may be some angry texts. Well, <laughs> before before that game, you know, I noticed last weekend we actually had pretty decent service out of the stadium. So we should be able to do some of it. And we do have a TV there where we're at. So we should be all right to some degree. So, all right, guys. Uh, you know, we'll uh, try to catch up on the recap on Sunday night. And uh, until next time, everybody say bye. Bye. Uh, thanks, guys. See you later. Bye. See you later.